You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. It is Wednesday, March 10th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Today on the episode, we're going to be talking to Cody Nagel of 24-7 Sports' Go Pokes website that he covers Oklahoma State Cowboys, if you didn't know the Pokes reference. And it's an interesting conversation because there's a lot to get to. A lot of people had Oklahoma State as a playoff team last year, or at least a playoff dark horse. And by a lot of people, I mean some pretty smart people. Former colleague Barton Simmons had Oklahoma State making the playoff. They didn't even make the Big 12 title game, which I thought could be a bare minimum expectation for them. They did win the Cheez-It Bowl against Miami, but I think all in all, especially when you factor in Mike Gundy's horrible offseason and the near-player mutiny face, the fact that Chuba Hubbard was went from Heisman candidate to often injured and, and you know low-impact running back for the Cowboys just wasn't what they wanted in 2020 and when your team like Oklahoma State when your mid-tier team and I don't mean that with any offense but when your mid-tier team you're not you don't have a championship window every single season it's every few years when you're when your stars are are older and experienced and you've you've got that chemistry and that connection between them and when you don't capitalize on your window the next few years you know a little bit of a step back as you find your next wave of stars so Oklahoma State still got quarterback Spencer Sanders but hey even he perfect embodiment for Oklahoma State football in 2020 Spencer Sanders was a disappointment so was the team Mike Gundy as a head coach and leader of the program was disappointing too so we'll get to that conversation with Cody in just a second we'll start with the news Monday night's news late Monday night in bed reading a book saw the push notification. I also had my iPad out because that's how I got the push notification that Les Miles and the Kansas Jayhawks had agreed to part ways. And this was no surprise. I mean, you listened to the podcast Monday I did with Scott Chasen, a 24-7 Sports Kansas reporter. The writing was on the wall. Les Miles was already on paid administrative leave following USA Today's reporting last week that alleged Miles inappropriately behaved towards female students during his time as LSU's head coach. And yes, Les Miles was Oklahoma State's head coach before Mike Gundy was. That's pure irony that that these two events are are happening at the same time uh, on the college football daily. But for all the headaches that Les Miles has given Kansas in the last week, I mean, he went three and 18 in his entire tenure. Pretty horrible. A pretty emphatic dud of a way for Les Miles to almost assuredly end end his career as a college football coach. He did if, if you know, ask Scott Chasen or ask any Kansas fan, he did turn around the roster situation that had been just absolutely depleted with Charlie Weiss's glut of JUCO additions. And that's pretty much the only good thing Les Miles did at Kansas. Everything else was a disaster. And we'll see where the Jayhawks go. Chris Hummer, 24-7 sports writer, he wrote a column stumping for Willie Fritz, the Tulane head coach, who has a ton of Midwest connections and an ingenious offense and you know the ability to get his the most out of players who might not be recruited by the biggest schools. And that's what Kansas needs. We might say, okay, Kansas, they're the worst college football power five program in the last 10 years. And it's very true, but I don't think it's totally hopeless. I mean, you look at a few of their contemporaries. Iowa State was in a similar position before Matt Campbell was hired. Kansas State a very long time ago was in a similar position before Bill Snyder was hired. Look at what happened to both of those programs. Kansas can get back. Kansas can get back, but they're going to have to make a good head coaching hire. And as for Les Miles, really fascinated to see um, what happens to him. And, you know, does he do a, a media junket and, you know, write a book or do an apology tour? One of the bigger personalities in our era of college football. And he, he's going to limp out, tail between his legs in Lawrence, Kansas on a Monday 
night. All right, speaking of Kansas and speaking of Oklahoma State, both of those teams are really good college basketball teams this year, right? And at CBS, well, they've asked me, and I'm I'm happy to oblige, to read a little about a promotion they're going to do for college basketball fans. And Oklahoma State fans, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, Cade Cunningham, Big 12 Player of the Year, a likely four seed in next week's NCAA tournament. Disclaimer. I am picking Oklahoma State to make the Final Four, pending two things. They are not in the same bracket as Gonzaga, and Cade Cunningham's ankle this week in Kansas City looks okay. If he looks fine, and if Gonzaga's not in Oklahoma State's bracket, I'm picking the Cowboys to the Final Four. That's my pick for now, and that's how I plan to dominate my bracket, but here's how you can too. So all college football fans, March Madness is right around the corner. And to help you get prepared to dominate your bracket, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander of the Ion College Basketball Podcast are hosting a fun and interactive bracket engineer event presented by Nissan. Join our college basketball experts along with special guest Kenny the Jet Smith on Monday, March 15th at 5 p.m. Eastern for an hour-long Zoom call as they give you the insights needed to engineer the perfect bracket and dominate this year's event. Register now for your chance to join the special event by clicking the sign-up link in the description of this episode. Again, enter for your chance to join this special event by clicking the sign-up link in the description of this episode. I think that's the first time I've ever gotten to read out one of the the live read ads. So that was a, a career highlight of mine. Thank you, everyone, going and participating in that. I know I will be, and I will be picking Oklahoma State. And speaking again of Oklahoma State, after a quick break, we're talking to Cody Nagel about the football team. The College Football Daily will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, bringing in Cody Nagel right now. Cody, honest answers only. Oklahoma State missed its title window in 2020, and the next few years see the Cowboys likely rebuilding. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a, a rebuild, but I, I don't want to rule out that chance that maybe they kind of sneak into a contention for the Big 12 title. Obviously, last year was the season to to win the Big 12. Everything was lined up for OSU to, to get to the title game. But obviously, once again, Oklahoma State couldn't beat OU as Gundy now drops to 2-14 and 14 against the Sooners as head coach in Stillwater. Can OSU compete for the conference title this next season? Maybe. Obviously, OU is going to be in the title game. You can pretty much just fill them in now, in my opinion. Iowa State's probably the other favorite. But let's say, you know, let's say that Iowa State deals with injuries and loses a game that maybe they shouldn't, sort of like OSU did last year. And and OSU obviously would have to beat Iowa State next year. I don't think it's too far of a stretch to think the Cowboys could find a way of getting to Arlington. Now, the other team you have to think about is Texas, but I don't think we really know what to expect from them as far as being in year one with with Steve Sarkeesian. But if OSU is going to compete for a conference title, Spencer Sanders obviously has to to take that next step and, and limit his turnovers at quarterback. I keep waiting for Spencer Sanders to do that. Chris Hummer did a feature on him last year, last summer. You know, he's got some homes in him. You know, Texas oh, yeah. kid, similar frame, but Spencer's like, I gotta stop trying to make those plays happen. And he, he still did it. Before all the OAN stuff with my Gundy and the Chuba Hubbard, I had my Gundy on the podcast last year around this time. I was talking to him about being the winner of the offseason. 
because, you know, at that point, COVID hadn't hit yet. Things were still normal. And he had returned Chuba Hubbard. He was looking and, and it, it was looking really good. And he said something interesting. He was like, look, unless you're recruiting at a top 10 level every year, you're going to go through cycles as a mid-market program where every third year, that's your year. Like you've got a rising group of upperclassmen. You hopefully have an experienced quarterback by then. You've got everything falling into place. And then the years other than that, like you just kind of hope your fan base understands that it might be more of a lean year. I think the genius of what Oklahoma State has been under Mike Gundy is is maybe not so much recently, Cody, but like for so long, there were really, there just weren't lean years. I mean, he won 10 games three years in a row from 2015 through 2017. 2018, like you, you can excuse a seven and six season because you're like you're on the you're on one of your off years. And then 2019, like you got a new quarterback, Spencer Sanders. But I really thought that 2020, like they were a top 10 team. They were they were a playoff like dark horse that, that people were really talking themselves into. And, and you mentioned Spencer Sanders' turnovers, and we, you know, Mike Gundy had a, a horrific offseason. Chuba Hubbard wasn't healthy. Is there like one thing you can point to as to why last season was not the year we thought it would be? I mean, they dealt with a lot of injuries. I mean, I know obviously everyone or every team, something comes up for for a team every year. But, you know, you think about the offensive line. They had two starters go down within the first quarter against Tulsa in the season opener. Plus Spencer Sanders, you know, he got hurt in the opening quarter too. You know, Chuba Hubbard was banged up all year. Tylen Wallace wasn't really 100%. Their defensive secondary was banged up a lot. They weren't 100%. I mean, you hate to use that excuse of of injuries, you know, kept them from winning a, a Big 12 title. But when you think about all of them that they had, I mean, it it was quite a bit. And especially for your your star guys like Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace and, you know, even Spencer Sanders missed a, a few games too. So, you know, I think that was probably their their biggest setback. I mean, still, they were right there with... You know, you go back to that Texas game where they go into overtime. If they win that one, I mean, they were number six at that point. If they win that, I mean, maybe creeping into top five. I mean, then you're surely in the discussion for, you know, the playoff. If you can get past OU, which they still, for some reason, can't seem to find a way to beat OU when they're even on their quote unquote down years. But yeah, I would say that the injuries were just the the biggest thing that that hurt them. Well, they're not the only one in the Big 12 who can't beat OU, even when it looks like it, true, sh- it should true. be the year. So I definitely want to learn about all the new faces for Oklahoma State in like two seconds. But I, I, I want to stick with Gundy. How do you think last offseason affected him? And his relationship with his players, do, do you think he might be, you know, a little fresh air now that he's, he got through the season? He has a chance to start anew with an entire incoming crop of kids and, and get to know some players who might look at him with with fresher eyes. How, how do you think he came out of all that? I mean, he said that there was improvements. I mean, you talked to all the have the availability with the players and, you know, we'd ask them, you know, have you seen improvements and stuff? And everyone would say, you know, you know, things are better. The the communication's better. You know, none of that's an issue anymore. And I mean, how much of that is them just saying that? I don't know. It seemed to be better. Um, I know there's still some issues with, you know, former players and stuff that, you know, I've said some stuff on, on Twitter and whatnot that sort of makes it seem like, you know, the connection with former players isn't, maybe as, as great as it should be. But I, mean, I think for the most part, they've tried to put all that behind them and, you know, learn from it, get better from it, move on. You know, I don't, I don't think it's seems to be as big of an issue with the players that are, that are currently there right now, if that makes sense. 
It absolutely does. It was for sure an awkward year for Oklahoma State. And then with Mike Holder, the athletic director, stepping down after 16 seasons, I know him and Gundy have at times been at odds. Does this does this change any sort of short-term, long-term outlook for how long Mike Gundy is going to be coaching his alma mater in Stillwater, the, the Mike Holder uh, departure? I mean, I think it all depends on, obviously, Chad Weiberg, who's, who's going to take over in July, I believe. You know, he's been around the athletic department. He's been around Gundy. You know, he was Mike Holder's number two. You know, I think it all depends on, and they're getting a, a new president too. Um, so that's something you also have to add in. How much do they put up with, you know, let's say there is something else that comes up as far as Gandhi, you know, he says something he shouldn't wear something he shouldn't, you know, how much of a leash does he have with the the new administration as far as, as far as all that? You know, I don't think the at least from what I've heard, you know, Gundy's relationship with Weiberg seems to be good. So I don't think it's like you said, you know, the, the relationship with Gundy and Holder was a little iffy. Um, you know, some things were said that maybe caused some bad feelings or whatever here and there. But you know, I think it just all comes down to what's what's the new administration's leash as far as Gundy, if he does something he shouldn't again. Tell me what this team looks like in 2021. So Spencer Sanders, we assume he'll keep his job. Over Shane Alienworth, who was a true freshman last year and played pretty well in spurts. Um, but I think Span- Sanders is the guy you got to keep rolling with. Chuba's gone. Tylen Wallace is gone. Uh, you're telling me offensive lines up in the air. But who, who are some of the new? And then defensively, of course, you know they've they've really been improving. Who are some of the new guys who are you know hopefully going to be w- uh, waving the wheat uh, this fall? So the running back room, I think, is going to be you know by committee. LD Brown is back for another year. He took advantage of the, the extra eligibility. Um, and then OSU also has two guys that had, you know, breakout performances late in the season. Desmond Jackson, former JUCO transfer. He had 235 yards and three touchdowns against Texas Tech. And then Dominic Richardson, he was a true freshman last year too. He had 169 yards and three touchdowns against Baylor in the regular season finale. I mean, you put either of those three guys out there, I think they're capable of the starting job. So, you know, that's a solid trio there. Um, receiver, you know, you talked about Tylen Wallace being gone. There's still sort of a question of who's going to be that main target, who takes over, you know, Spencer Sanders, go-to guy, if you would say. I think Tay Martin is a guy that could maybe step up step up into that. Also took uh, advantage of the extra eligibility. Uh, you know, he got a more looks late in the season when Wallace was sidelined. Um, but the guy that probably has the most hype surrounding him on offense is Brendan Presley. You know, dynamic, speedy receiver. He had a breakout performance in the in the Cheez It Bowl, also had three touchdowns in one game. This is probably a lofty comparison, but I think OSU needs to use him sort of like Kansas City Chiefs use Tyreek Hill. I mean, you have to figure out a way to get him the ball as many plays as possible and just let him do what he can in, in the open field. That's interesting that you brought that up. Um, I think people forget Tyreek Hill was was at Oklahoma State for a year before uh, his first of, of, of many issues, we'll say. Brendan Presley, has, has Gundy mentioned like using him? And I'm looking him up right now, Cody, 5'7 and a half, 160 pounds. Oh my goodness. Like has, has the Tyreek Hill comparison, has that been uttered by? By Gundy, or is that just a, a, a fan it's message more board been, thing? Yeah, it's more been uttered by, I think more people were surprised he wasn't used more early in the season last year. It was sort of like, okay, when are we going to see him get out there? When is he you know, going to get targets? And when is he going to get you know, more snaps? But it wasn't until later in the year, and especially the bowl game, that he you know, finally got, got a lot of action out there. I mean, to me, he just has that Tyreek Hill capability of get him the ball in open field. He can make people miss. He can, you know, like I said, he's dynamic, he's speedy, he's shifty. So yeah, he's definitely the guy that's got the most hype surrounding him right now. All right. So I'm looking at this 2021 schedule. 
Missouri State win. Tulsa, and it's way too close last year, but Tulsa loses a decent amount. Win. At Boise State, fun game. Uh, that'd be fun. You should try to go to that up in uh, up in up in Boise. Oh, I'd love um, to go to that game. Yeah, that's so that's that's gonna be a little tricky, but it's a, it's a new coach for Boise State. Hank Bachmeyer versus Spencer Sanders, kind of fun. Kansas State the next week, you never know, should be a win. Baylor the next week, also never know, but Baylor wasn't very good last year, should be a win. All that's to say is, you know, we're talking about Oklahoma State not capitalizing on their window and, and you know, they were number six at one point last year and uh, on, on Halloween and then lost to Texas. I'm not ruling out a 5-0 and start with a trip to Austin, Texas on October 16th to uh, really tell us how the season's really going to turn out and, and, and the schedule is really tough the back half of the year. But for a team that has to replace a lot, I don't know if you could script a better start to it. Oh, no. Yeah, you definitely like the way the, the schedule shapes out as far as the beginning. But like you said, the, the middle half and the back half is is definitely going to be tough. You know, you talk about back-to-back road games at Texas, and then they have to turn around and go at Iowa State. You know, those will be two huge games. But if you can find a way to split those maybe, and then somehow get to the end of the season with one loss and you're facing facing OU for Bedlam in the in the season finale and maybe find a way to to pull off an upset there. That's why I just can't seem to like rule out them like not being a contender for a Big 12 title just because there's just that like possibility that Iowa State has injuries or maybe they lose a game here and there that they're not supposed to. And obviously Texas has a lot of talent and Steve Sarkeesian I mean should be a good head coach there. But year one, you just you never really know how things are gonna gonna work out. I don't disagree with you. I love the uh, look. I love the optimism that a spring football, as Oklahoma State gets going, that spring football can give you. And you keep talking about Iowa State, and you want to like find a reason that they couldn't be as good. I think it's just as simple as as they've got a target on their back. They've never ever been in that position before. We'll see how it uh, how it goes. I it's not going to be late in the season, but when, when Oklahoma State plays Iowa State, it'll be October twenty third. But it would uh, if Iowa State's undefeated in top five, and Oklahoma State enacts revenge for its uh, 2011, 20, or maybe twenty uh, what was the I think it was two thousand and eleven, two thousand eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the shocker. I think that'd be a pretty interesting role reversal. Cody Nagel, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Okay, I appreciate Cody Nagel. For joining us, he was very busy on Tuesday covering a commitment for Oklahoma State as well. They have the number 10 recruiting class in the class of 2022. Certainly won't hold for now, but number 10 is pretty good. And again, do not forget, check out our show notes, Bracket Engineer presented by Nissan, Monday, March 15th, 5 Eastern for one hour, a live Zoom, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander. Also joined by Kenny Smith, a fun, interactive experience on how to dominate your bracket. Again, I'm going Cowboys. Our producer is Lance Glenn. He's, he's going Rutgers, but they, they won't make it, I don't think. Um, maybe they will. I got to check out Bracketology more. We'll talk to you all next time on the College Football Daily.